I arrived a little bit into uh, Seaford early today, and so I thought I'd drive down into the town centre, drive past Crossways building, sat outside it a while. God, please uh, release the resources so that uh, you can have this building uh, to go and bless this town. Uh, Crossways on Causeway. I didn't realise that the little road is called Causeway. And uh, I thought the two things of Crossway and Causeway, uh, the cause for us is the cross. And uh, the cause that we want is to make Jesus known. And uh, this is really an exciting time. I remember 25 years ago, virtually to the day, uh, 25 years and a week ago, uh, me and my wife, future wife, uh, we bought our first house. And that was really exciting. And then a few years later, we moved from there into another house. And that was actually really exciting. And then we moved to Eastbourne, and I remember sitting in Hamden Park, we looked around a number of houses, and uh, we pulled up outside a house to look at uh, another house on the road, but we pulled up outside a house which had a for sale sign up, and so we rang up and said, can we come and have a look? And an hour later, we put an offering on the building, uh, on, the, on the house, and one hour later, we got a phone call while we sat in Hamden Park to say, your offer has been accepted. We were very excited. And then there was another story a little while after that, where... Belinda kept walking past the house, and uh, she liked it and kept walking past it, and no one seemed to be living in it, so she posted a, a letter through the door and say, if you ever feel like selling your house, please let us know. And the long story cut short is that uh, we ended up buying that house, and we were very excited. There's something about the, that, that whole process of going in and purchasing a building and purchasing a home, uh, which we get very animated by. And some of you are able to go, do you know what, I, uh, yeah, I, I understand that. You, you go, you go looking around, you find somewhere, you, you go, this is, I think this is the one. You've been exploring, you've been looking at it all, and then suddenly you go, this is it. Come on, let's go for it. Shall we go? A few nerves, apprehension. Can we afford it? Can we not afford it? What are we going to do with it? You start putting, will our furniture fit in it, not fit in it? What do they leave there? What's come part? And that's all part of that. And I want us to feel something of the expectation and anticipation of that today, okay? Because what is happening is, in effect, the offer's gone in, and we're trying to now come up with, stump up, kind of, in effect, the, the cash for the deposit for it. And it's not some small thing. It's a major thing. Now, no, uh, John said, if you're a guest, just let the buckets go by. I'm not sure if there are. If you're a guest here, please, you are here for a purpose, and that is to make up the shortfall in the deposit. <laughs> so if you'd like to identify yourself uh, to me later, that, that, that is great. Described as a family home, but it's more than that. In Seaford, for Seaford. It's more than a family home where we kit it out to make ourselves comfortable. We want this home in order to bless this town for those who are not yet in the family. We want people to feel welcome. Welcome home. And so we remember that. Why don't we pray? Father, I thank you. I thank you. Thank you that, first of all, you have welcomed us home. God, thank you. <laughs> thank you that you opened your home for us. Thank you that we were out in the cold. 
And uh, there's no way we could have got in. The door was locked. But you opened it. And you said, come on in. And Father, out of everything that is given this week, next week, anything that is given across in Eastbourne today, God, I pray that you use that. Please release the resources that we need. And I pray that whatever has been offered today will be a blessing. Not just to you, but to this town as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was due to be talking in this uh, kingdom series, The Signs, on a topic called justice. Uh, Jez is actually going to pick up week one and week two next week because I feel it's good just to uh, take a slight diversion for today. It's a special day. It's a good day. Exciting day. It's good to be here. And uh, just in my preparation of the last few weeks, uh, a message that I shared in Eastbourne, and but huge implications and uh, very helpful, I hope and trust for today. So I'm going to look in at Acts chapter 16, and uh, it really is about uh, the opportunity, the open doors that were made available to, uh, to Paul. Okay, so I think the words are going to come up. Uh, okay, this is actually the, the message translation, so we'll go with uh, the message that is up here. Uh, Paul, who was one of the earliest church leaders, uh, first came to Derby, then to Lystra. He found a disciple there by the name of Timothy, son of a devout Jewish mother and a Greek father. Uh, friends in Lystra and Iconium all said what a fine young man he was. Paul wanted to recruit him for the mission. Uh, first took him aside, circumcised so he wouldn't offend the Jews who lived in those parts. They all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they traveled from town to town, they presented the simple guidelines the Jerusalem apostles and the leaders had come up with. Let's just pause there. Uh, if you look into your Bible and read the previous chapter, uh, you'll see that there was kind of like this big summit meeting that had taken place uh, to work out kind of like the, some of the core values, some of the core beliefs. Uh, remember, it's a brand new thing. It was all very, very new. And so they were learning as they went. So they got together in order to establish some key foundational beliefs. And so they traveled around, presented the guidelines the Jerusalem apostles and leaders had come up with. Uh, that turned out to be really helpful. And day after day, the congregation became stronger in faith and larger in size. And they went to Phrygia and then went on through the region of Galatia. And their plan was to turn west into Asia province, but the Holy Spirit blocked that route. So they went to Mysia and tried to go north to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there either. And proceeding on through Mysia, they went down to the seaport Troas. And that night, Paul had a dream. A Macedonian man stood on the far shore and called across the sea. This is the dream. Come over to Macedonia and to help us. And the dream gave Paul his map, his plan. He went to work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. And all the places had come together. And we knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. Sometimes, from time to time, people come and ask me, what is the vision, where are we going, what is the direction? Uh, King's Church itself, which you are a part of, uh, launched in Eastbourne in 1988, nearly 30 years ago. And we're in our 29th year. And so people come and say, what are the plans? 
And this is what I felt in preparation that the Lord just reminded us, okay? Because in a way, the vision hasn't changed. Actually, it hasn't changed for several thousand years. The vision remains exactly the same in terms of get out into the world in which we're living in and uh, communicate the gospel of Jesus and make people understand the good news of Jesus so that they become followers and disciples. That, that has just not changed. And so when people say, what's your vision? I said, the vision, it's the same as always. What does that look like and how does that work out? First, if God said three things, uh, continue to be led by the Spirit, uh, build local and bless lots. Okay, be led, build local, bless lots. So let's look at what that looks like in terms of being led by the Spirit. Now, at this time in Acts chapter 16, Paul was on his second missionary journey. Okay, he'd been going from town to town, uh, preaching the gospel and establishing local community uh, churches, uh, which he would then, on his second missionary journey, decided to go and revisit all of them to make sure that they were fine. At the end of the, the second journey, he wanted to go on. He wanted to stretch out. And so he tried a couple of different directions. He went uh, across into Asia, couldn't get into Asia, and then uh, another place called Bithynia in, in the north. He'd gone from place to place in order to bring encouragement, to revisit the places that had already heard the gospel, to build them up, to make them stronger in the faith, uh, to see the larger in size, signs of a healthy church, that you're stronger in faith, that you're growing in size, new life. It's great that you see the kids running around and crawling through legs. And, because... Any healthy organism, you need to be able to see life. Not just biological life, spiritual life. And so Paul was going around to encourage them in this growth. He was going around to encourage them that they would get stronger in their faith. We need to get stronger in our faith. We need to be robust and confident. How do we get confident? By understanding who God is. That's what Paul was doing. Tried to get into Asia, tried to get into Bithynia, stopped both times, and then he had a dream. The man from Macedonia said, come over here. And suddenly, immediately, Paul knew what the direction was. The following morning, wakes up, calls in the team, and says, right, I know where we're going. We're heading. Let's go and get the tickets and catch the ferry. They pushed one door, and the Spirit said no. Pushed another door, the Spirit said no. Then the Spirit said, let's go. Some of you have done similar. You've pushed doors. You've tried to open up things. What is God saying? Shall we go down this route? Can we go down this route? And it just does not open up. And then suddenly, someone can come and say a word to you which just in a moment changes everything. People wander up to you and say, I don't know whether this means anything, but I think God is saying this. And you go, that means everything. And what do you do? You respond. You say, let's go. And as a church community, we kind of need to be like that as well. We need to be led by the Spirit. Right back in the DNA of kings, which you are a part of the story, listening to God and being led by the Spirit is very much a part of our DNA. So the 17 intrepid adventurers who ventured all the way from Hastings across the marshes to end up in Eastbourne, were the original pioneers of King's 
in Eastbourne. They started something. How can we communicate a message? And how can we uh, get a context where it's kind of credible that people can look in and see what the gospel is being preached about and come to faith? They started to grow. Well, first of all, met in a house, that then met into a pub, that then met into a school, that then met into purchasing of the first family home called the King Centre. Less than 100 people made that decision. Less than 100 people. It was probably about 60 people who made that decision by the early 1990s. And then if you've been down to the King Centre, you sort of go, whoa, 100 people. Yeah, 100 people. Made the decision to try to raise... £570,000 in order to buy it. In today's prices, it was a bargain. Not back then. I bought my first house, I think, for 47000 And you go, I bought my first house for 4000 How much was your first house? Your, your house? 3600 Okay, does that make you feel good? Well, that was back in 1812. So that was... <laughs> Huge. And at the time, 3,600. I bet it was a stretch. My in-law's house was 3,800. And they said, we didn't know. We, it was such a stretch for us to be able to afford that. <laughs> so back in the early 90s, or 93, 94, 95, made the decision, bought a building, operating and believing in the prophetic, the DNA. Leadership transitions took place. That was birthed in, again, being led by the Spirit. I took on the responsibility of leading the team. And on one occasion that we took a gift day, you were, some of you were part of that. We had something like £320,000 that was sitting on the mortgage. And we thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we could clear the mortgage? Because as a result of clearing the mortgage and the expense of interest rates and all of that, look, guess what? We can then go and utilize that money in order to establish things like seafood. And I remember on that day that I felt... I was actually on a train on the way to Catford that uh, I've been thinking a little bit about going down on the mortgage, just paying it down. And I felt as if God speak to me and said, don't just look to pay it down, look to pay it off. And so I came back to the church and said, this is what I think God is saying, let's pay it off. And the church responded amazingly. And I remember sitting in a trampoline competition watching my daughter getting a text message through to say the church in Eastbourne had given in excess, ultimately, of £360,000, responding to the prophetic. The year later, so that was it, mortgage gone. Actually, technically, I think we owned a pound. We still owe a pound. If anyone wants to clear the mortgage entirely, okay, if you're a guest or a visitor here today. And a year later, I was in a, a, a meeting full of church leaders, 400 of us, in Turkey, of all places. And I remember at the end of one of the meetings, the man who was leading, uh, hosting through that day, he stood up and he was just about to close down the meeting and say, thanks ever so much for being here. It's great to see you. There's refreshments. There'll be all that stuff. And he stopped the summarizing of the meeting and he just looked up and he said, Graham Marsh. Now, Graham Marsh had been hiding at the back as Graham Marsh usually does. And suddenly I felt quite uh, center of attention. And he just stopped and he said, Graham Marsh, I believe God is saying, give it all away. 
Uh, he obviously didn't mean me personally. He was referring to the church. I became very popular for the next few days on that conference because people were clearly trying to cash in on that prophetic word. But I came again. Three days later, we're heading into a gift day. That gift day had been lined up, and I just stood up and I said, look, I want us to be responding to the prophetic word, being led by the Spirit. And he says, all this money that you're going to be giving, I believe God is saying we are to give that away. Hello? <laughs> and uh, just to give, give that away. And people went, whoa, what, really? Yes, let's just give that away. Let, let's just bless the food banks, and let's just uh, bless some of the initiatives. Let's just... Let's just give it away. And we put some rules in this that we cannot spend this money if it blesses us personally. Let's give it away. So that year we gave £120,000 away. We want to be people who are responding to the prophetic being led by the Spirit. Uh, that actually paved the way for multi-site, multi-venues. Seaford, 2010. Was anyone here in September 2010, right at the very beginning. That was part of the prophetic journey. Go to Seaford. And then we felt as if the Lord speak to us as well and said about reaching internationals and being a part of the international community because we really want the gospel to be expressing that. We want church to be expressing that. The gospel does, but we want the, the church community to express that. So we launched again down into the town centre of Eastbourne deliberately because that is the most diverse community that we could find. And so in 2013, we launched in, Seaford, uh, in Central, believing that's what God was saying. More recently, about some of the changes that the leaders went away in September of last year. And in the space of about 24 hours, we had some very clear directional words given to us. Really clear. It really felt as if you know, Jez and Amy were there and the other leadership couples were there. And we really felt as if God said you know, three things. One was about the building across in Eastbourne, was to start to utilize the building in line with the vision. Change, change the dynamics of what we've got. Okay, yes, let's do that. Another one was about a leadership switch that was to take place across into Eastbourne, which we implemented and acted upon straight away. And the third one was about Seaford about releasing, having faithful, releasing, in a sense, Seaford, in Seaford, for Seaford. And at that same time, the whole discussion about the building, it, it, you know, it exists, and we do genuinely believe that this is God. Now, I know it's not signed and sealed, and I know we're waiting for Manchester to come back and say yay or nay, and I know we haven't had surveyors' reports in there to say it's all sound and good and not falling apart. I know all of that, but we're believing and we're trusting that this is an open door that God is telling us to go through. And I want you to, to see that actually the importance of this passage that we're looking at is let's continue to be a church that is being led by the Spirit. See the importance of that? Because it's not just about a whim. It's not just what we think is a good idea. You know, sometimes we try to push doors, but God, we're trusting and believing that actually this is an open door in Seaford for Seaford. And it's hugely significant today. So we need to be a people in the DNA that we are being led by the Spirit of God. And I think owning the home in order to bless this town 
is hugely significant. So be led by the Spirit and continue that. The second bit is about the importance of building local. So let's look at the next bit of the Bible passage in Acts chapter 16. Uh, So they've now arrived in the city of Philippi. Putting out of the harbour at Troas, we made straight run for Samothris. The next day we tied up at the new city and walked from there to Philippi. Philippi was the main city in that part of Macedonia, and even more importantly, a Roman colony, and we lingered there several days. He said, it's only several days, okay? They weren't there long, but in those several days, it was important. And on the Sabbath, we left the city and went down the river where we heard that there was to be a prayer meeting. Now, what had happened strategically, usually in the major cities, there would be kind of like synagogues that would gather together. If the If the city or community didn't have a synagogue, there would be a central meeting place that people would gather together, and this is what was happening. We took our place with the women who had gathered there and talked with them, and one woman, Lydia, was from Thyatira and a dealer in expensive textiles, known to be a God-fearing woman. And as she listened with intensity to what was being said, the master gave her a trusting heart. She believed. And after she was baptized, along with everyone in the household, she said in the surge of hospitality, if you're confident that I'm with you and believe in the master truly, come home with me, be my guests. We hesitated, but she wouldn't take no for an answer. So Paul had tried to push into these other places, could not get there but ends up going into uh, Macedonia, into the Roman city of Philippi. It's the strategic city. And at that point, he gathered, went to the place that was strategically most important. Meets Lydia, a devout business woman. And she believes in Jesus. And in effect, she became the very first Christian in Philippi. She was baptized along with her household It's a very encouraging start. Going to a new location, a new city. uh, You start talking about Jesus. Someone says, absolutely, I love this. And they respond. If we had time, we would look into the next bit of the story, and you would see that actually that that was kind of like a bit of the high point (laughs) because some stuff happened after that which wasn't quite as encouraging. And it's worth us knowing that even when there's an open door, it does not guarantee that everything is going to be plain sailing. But it does give us the opportunity to preach the gospel. So Paul goes into the city, now communicating to the people in the city. And there's this woman who is coming along, a young woman, former, or was a slave, and a psychic woman, okay, following them. And wherever they go, she, she's there chipping in the whole time. He's trying, to, he's trying to speak about it. He's trying to preach. He's trying to communicate. And this woman says, oh, you should listen to him. They know what they're, t- they're talking about. the most high God. They talk, you listen to him. And in the end, it says, after several days, Paul got kind of like, he got fed up with this. And so he just turns around and said, for goodness sake, my translation, be quiet. In the name of Jesus, be quiet. And this woman who kind of had this spirit in her, was released, set free. Now, it's not in the notes. It's not in the Bible. We don't know what happened to her. But let's just jump to an assumption here. Perhaps she became the second convert in Philippi. So now we've got the businesswoman, number one convert. The second convert, a slave woman who had psychic abilities. It's a bit like the Avengers getting formed here. 
The people who were making money off the psychic weren't very happy with this, and they caused a lot of unrest. They got uh, Paul illegally arrested, and then he was illegally beaten up, and then he was illegally thrown into prison. So even with open doors, bad things happen. Whilst he was in the prison, they started a worship time. Switched their MP3 players on. And they started to sing songs. And during that moment, an earthquake shook the very foundations of that area and the prison. Now, if you're locked up, chained up, fastened up inside a prison, that is an incredibly vulnerable place to be. And it says that uh, all the fastings, all the doors, they were opened. If you were in a, a prison situation like that, I would imagine that you would want to get out, whether for safety reasons or for escape reasons. But as it turns out, no one left at all. Why not? Well, maybe we can assume that the message that was being sung about and spoken about was so compelling that people wanted to stick around and listen to it even more. We have a message which is incredibly compelling. It feels at the moment that there's not many open doors for the gospel. No one seems to want to listen. But when we communicate it, it is a compelling story. So the Philippian jailer runs in, incredibly worried that everyone that he was meant to be in charge of has now done a runner, probably about to kill himself. And Paul shouts, don't do it, we're all here. Now, the Philippian jailer, again, a shortened version of the story, he becomes a Christian, along with the household. So let's make an assumption that we now have the third member of the Avengers, of the A-team, that we have a businesswoman, a former psychic, and now we have this jailer, this employment of uh, you know, the, a civil servant. The A-team. Who would have thought that these were going to be the people that were going to launch the church? But, but the beauty of that is that God uses the ordinary people in order to do his extraordinary mission on earth. The, the, his plan A. And who would have thought the 17 people who went from Hastings to Eastbourne, and who would have thought that those whose hands went up a few moments ago who were here in the very first week that we started? Ordinary people to do something which is extraordinary in terms of communicating the kingdom of God. So the importance of local, building local, the importance of the local church. It is now through the church, the community, the community of believers, it is now through the church, the wisdom and the understanding and the insight into who God is is now being made known through you. The kingdom of God is being expressed through you. This community in Seaford is, is going to be impacted by you. The importance of building local. This country needs vibrant church communities, spirit-filled businesswomen and council workers taking up the gospel, transforming communities, ordinary people making massive difference. Not just the super apostles or the big-name evangelists, but just the everyday ordinary people like you feel ordinary. That's good news. Because it's ordinary people that God is going to impact this community with.
And that is true. And I look around the room, and you might look around the room and you go, really? Yeah, really. What can we do? You can do huge amounts when you make yourselves available to God. Church planting and launching churches is part of our DNA. Being led by the Spirit is part of our DNA. Building local church is absolutely part of our DNA. And my encouragement is, especially if you've been fairly new here, is to absolutely buy in to what is taking place. Play your part. You're part of this. You're part of the story. You're part of the emerging story. Not back in 88, not in the 90s, not even 2010, but the 2017 part of the story, this next step. It's really exciting. As I sat outside the building, God, release the resources so that we can release and get into this building to bless this community. So be led by the Spirit. Build local. And the final point I want to say is that I believe God just speak to me and said, Graham, I want you to continue to bless lots. Now next week, Jez is going to be talking about the kingdom of God. What does that kingdom of God look like? One aspect of that is about justice and righteousness. God's heart for the disadvantaged, bringing advantage to those who are disadvantaged, bringing equity, equality for those who are caught up in slavery or poverty. God's heart. I love this about this Macedonian church because there's something about the impact and the difference that, that we can make. In Acts chapter, sorry, in two Corinthians six, sorry, two Corinthians chapter eight. So the church had been going a little while by this point, and look at these words. So Paul was writing to another church in Corinth, but in his letter to Corinth, he referenced the church in Macedonia, the Philippi. He referenced back to it, and this is how he commended them. Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising, the generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. Okay, stop. Fierce troubles. Let's live with an expectation that it's not all going to be rosy cozy. We, we need to have an understanding that fierce troubles are on the way. We had a taste of this a few weeks ago. That we thought that the internet was going to go crazy. Well, it was going a little bit silly. And we were getting cited in some newspaper reports about evil King's Church bankrolling and funding some other stuff that was everyone else in the society didn't like, and that's awful and it's terrible. And this story was spreading. <laughs> and it's like, and we were looking at this as leaders going, how can we stop the spreading of the story? What the people are saying about it is just not true. In fact, it's the exact opposite. But with the world of social media and stuff like that, it was just running out. And thankfully, with the elections, it all kind of then fizzled out. But I want us to live kind of with this expectation is that we're not going to be very popular. However, we're going to continue. And when we demonstrate the good news of Jesus and the gospel change, then people go, oh, okay. I heard a rumor, but that's nothing compared to what is true. So fierce troubles came down on the people in those churches, pushing them to the very limit, and the trial exposed their true colors. Interesting. The trial exposed their true colors. 
When in those pressure moments, when, when you're facing the, the, the illness and the terminal illnesses, and when you're facing the bereavement and sadness, and when you're facing heartache and breakup and stuff, it's in those moments, those pressure moments, that you actually do find your true colors. This is what was happening in the Macedonian church. They were facing troubles. I guess persecution was coming in there. There was a lot of hassle towards them. And their true colors, they were incredibly happy. Sign of the kingdom of God, joy. Though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there. I saw it for myself, said Paul. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. They gave even beyond what they could afford. And today, some of you have probably given beyond what you can afford. I mentioned to Belinda this morning, we hadn't really, I know we've been talking about it for about eight weeks, but we hadn't really even focused gift day. And I said to Belinda, oh, we should focus gift day. Now, in a way, you know, Seaford, you're very focused on this. And so I said, oh, you know, I said in the mountain, Belinda went, okay, I'm not sure, okay. <laughs> and then she sent me a text while I was sitting outside the Crossways building. And she said, yeah, okay, let's go with that amount, but I'm wondering whether we should even double it. I went, okay, <laughs> I'm not sure, <laughs> okay. And it's, it, sometimes it can be very uncomfortable. And I know that some of you, it's very uncomfortable. Because you're not giving out of your comfort, out of your spare. You're giving out of what you can't really afford. Because it's an overflow of what God is doing. We're to be led by the Spirit. We're to build local church, which is what you are doing. And we are to bless lots. So that out of your generosity, it will overspill and many lives will be impacted into this town. And that's why we're here. That's why we're doing it. Be led by the Spirit. Utilize everything that we're doing, God, to help us to keep going, to fulfill all you're calling us to, to build local, not diluting down one bit, and then to bless lots. Without doubt, to be the most generous-hearted people. It's fine. If you could just sit there and hold that. Without doubt, to be the most generous-hearted people in the town, to go beyond what we can afford, generous with our time, generous with our resources, simply to bless others, to bring justice and equity and fairness, to bring advantage to those who are in disadvantage, to love neighbors as we love ourselves, to find everyone who's in need and to help them. That is what we've been called to. That is why we're doing this. That's who we are. That's our DNA. And I don't want us to move away from that. In fact, I don't think we can. Because you can't actually change your DNA. Let's do all we can to fulfill what God is calling us to. Let's pray. Father, on this really cool day, God, I pray that we'll come before you and remain true to what you've called us to. Help us to be people who continue to be led by the Spirit. Speak to us prophetically, even as we look at taking on buildings and development of buildings and development of ministries and you know, what we do with the building, as Jez said, is, is up to us. But 
what it's for. And it's very clear. Help us to bless this town. Bless it lots. Help us to build a local Christian community that demonstrates the kingdom of God. Joy of peace, of righteousness, of healing, of salvation, of deliverance and freedom. God, I pray that we'll be true to who we are and who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.